Good evening and welcome to another edition of The Outsiders. Uh, this is Sean Williams, uh, your co-host uh, with, with uh, Chip Turner. Um, it's been a, a pretty eventful week in Miami. Uh, we got the mandatory mini camp. We have uh, an exciting extension. Uh, we have a player who hasn't showed up hoping for some kind of uh, contract extension or rework. Uh, we have discussions on a couple other guys that might be looking for extensions. So uh, this is going to be a pretty jam-packed episode. Um, with that, I'm going to pass it off to Chip Turner. Chip, tell me about Jerome Baker. What's up, Sean? Yeah, Jerome Baker is the – well, there is, there's a decent amount of news this week with uh, the mini, mandatory minicamp. Uh, but Jerome Baker's extension is undoubtedly – um, the biggest news early, um, he got himself a $39 million extension over three years with 28.4 guaranteed. Um, and it's a, I think it's a smart extension because they're paying him for what they think he is developing into. And I firmly believe that in two or three years, most specifically two years, because it's a three-year extension, um, they're going to be looking at this as one of the better values in a linebacker um, since in the entire NFL. Because let's be let's be frank about what Jerome Baker is. He's not a Mike. He is a um, off-ball linebacker who is very good at what he does. Um, he's very good. He's very fast. He's a very, he showed he's a very good blister last year. Um, and he is good in pass protection. Uh, there will be some who argue that pass protection point. I firmly will stick to my guns saying that he is a good um, pass protector, specifically in third down. And he does very well on that point. Um, additionally, Something to consider with this extension is that Jerome Baker is 24 years old. He was very young when he came into the league. He's still very young. He won't even, it's not like he's, you know, going to turn 20. He's not even 24 and a half yet. He doesn't turn 25 years old until Christmas Day, which is interesting. I didn't know that. It was his birthday. Um, so I'm very pleased with this signing. I think moving forward, he is going to develop on the same curve that he has since he came with uh, into the NFL and started playing with the Miami Dolphins. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so, you know, coming off of last week's show, um, we, touched, we touched on, you know, who might – well, who is – coming off their rookie rookie deals, who's going to be looking for contract extensions. And I think we both mutually think and thought, well, thought that Jerome Baker was probably going to be, you know, the top of the list guy that we both felt really strongly that if anybody gets an extension and no one's saying it's one or the other, but if anyone gets an extension um, and gets a nice new contract, uh, that would be Jerome Baker. I have a few different thoughts about this. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say that this regime doesn't hand out uh, bad contracts or doesn't regret contracts because I think we've seen in free agency 
uh, last year's class, uh, that was kind of what happened. Uh, there was a little bit of buyer's remorse on a lot of them. Luckily, they were smart enough to structure those contracts in a way um, that wouldn't harm them if, if they did have that buyer's remorse. But I kind of look at this differently. I look at this as they really know what they've got. Like they have spent the intimate time with Jerome. They have seen him on the practice field every day. I think they know every which way they can use him and what his strengths are and what his weaknesses may be. And if, I mean, free agency is kind of its own separate thing the way I look at it. Um, in terms of contract extensions, I think the Dolphins only give those out once you've earned them or once they know what they're, what they're buying. Uh, it, free agency, you just don't get that luxury, but you still have to buy. It's just, it, it's, it is what it is. You don't really have a choice. But when it comes to their own, even if they're extending like uh, Adam Shaheen, who they traded for, um, I don't think they hand those, those extensions out lightly. I think those get handed out to those special players that, that they know are invested in the team, in the culture, in the system, in the coaching staff, the front office, all of that. And Jerome Baker, I guess if I had to pick like that one guy uh, who really kind of, if I'm thinking about this team and trying to embody it all into one player, I think that used to be Bobby McCain, and I think Jerome Baker's kind of heading in that direction. Um, you see it with, you know, the Dolphins' social media stuff. Like, he's he's just – he's such a warm and bubbly, and, like, he, he just has that – and they're, almost, they're, they're kind of building him into um, that face of the franchise. And I'm not saying uh, – like, that, that has nothing to do with Tua and, and you know, anything like that. It's just – I get and I have gotten a, a special feeling when it comes to Jerome Baker that um, his best is yet to come. Like you said, his he's still really young. Um, his personality is just, you know, A+. Plus. I, I love it. And I know I've seen uh, on social media some people talking about the contract and did we overpay, um, this, that, and the other. You got to remember, and I think we were talking the other night um, in a meeting that I think Hussam said that this is actually this upcoming free agent class is a deep one for linebackers. So if Miami was willing to pay Jerome Baker what they paid him, knowing that if Jerome Baker didn't you know, want to sign on for what they wanted him to, um, there was other options in terms of replacing him. I think that speaks a ton to their faith and belief in him. And in terms of what he does on the field, besides I think his budding leadership, I would not be surprised to see him be a captain this year. Um, I think he just does so many things well. I don't know if he's elite at anything, but the fact that he can, he can rush the passer and he can do that well coming off of seven and a half sacks, um, off the blitz this season and he has the speed and the athleticism to uh cover I don't think he's going to cover wide receivers I think he's going to cover you know some tight ends maybe over the middle he might go out in the flat and cover 
the running backs, and he does it well. And we've seen him do it well. We've seen him get interceptions. We've seen him create turnovers. Um, I think I think he's just a very good player, and I think this is going to be the biggest step we see in his career uh, this upcoming season. So, I mean, that's my thoughts on Jerome Baker. I really, truly, like, I, I, bright, I breathed a sigh of relief when I saw the news because I've been very anxious to see how the Dolphins would approach retaining their own homegrown loyal talent. And that just, it just felt good to see that. And, and I think it felt even better that he was the one who got it. He was the first one. Um, It it, it was really a statement re-signing and now going into the other guys that are looking for contracts like Emmanuel Agba or, um, and I know it's not black and white, but Mike Gesicki and even Xavier Howard's uh, situation right now. And I think, you know, we'll touch on that shortly. It kind of gives me a glimmer of hope that I don't have to go to doom and gloom in my head about, oh, man, we're going to lose these guys. The situation's not going to work out. I think people genuinely, truly love playing for the Miami Dolphins right now. And I don't think anyone actively on the roster would would be looking for other situations. Uh, I think Minka Fitzpatrick was the last one. Um, I don't blame him, though. That was that was the very be- – like, there wasn't even enough time for Brian Flores to build that relationship with him before he asked to be out. So I, I kind of think that's more what happened in that situation. I just – I love it. It feels good. Um. We got some other guys looking for money. What do you think? Like we talked, we talked about the tight ends last week. I don't know how much more there is to say about that. Our our views have been shared, but like, what do you think about Agba um, playing playing with one year left, coming off a big year, um, same agent as Jerome Baker? What do you what do you think in there? Regarding Agba, um, it would not be it would not surprise me to see him. Uh, start the year uh, just the way it's everything is set up now. Cause I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing for Agba to gamble on himself. I haven't heard anything um, really that he's, you know, thinking about holding out or anything like that. He's playing on the last year of a contract, but I, I think it's a decent idea for him to gamble on himself. He's not as young as Baker, but I could totally see him being willing to go into uh, 2021 just as it's set up. And if he starts producing like he produced last year, Miami would be well-served to give an ex- give him an extension during the season. And if that doesn't happen, uh, remember the salary cap jumps considerably next year. After this year, it's going to jump a considerable amount. And if he produces um, and is labeled as an edge rusher, going into the 2022 season, he's going to, he's going to command a pretty decent salary. So I think it's a, it's something that I think will hopefully be resolved mid season. I don't think anything is going to get done before the season starts, but we'll see. I've been wrong before. Like I said, I even remember the day. So my thoughts on Agbar are this. Um, I'm going to start by asking you a question before I guess I get into my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible that after a 10 sack season, um, playing on a defense that that's now even better and even deeper, 
do you almost think like, you know, he, he could, he could do better than that. And I would, I would sign up immediately for another 10 sack season and, and not ask any questions. I mean, he now has a legitimate pass rusher um, either behind him or opposite him with uh, Jalen Phillips. Um, we have a young crew that's a year older on the defensive line. Um, I'm expecting a, a jump from Raquan Davis. We have, you know, Jerome Baker and the other linebackers that have been very successful and effective blitzing, like Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, if Emmanuel Agba stays healthy, like, you know, 10 sacks could be the, the floor. So what yeah. do you, like, do you, you know? Yeah, I think I think that entire that entire defense, the way it's set up now, specifically, like you said, with the addition, Jalen Phillips is, is the key. If Jalen Phillips, um, and from what I've seen and what I've heard uh, with OTAs and um, <laughs> uh, minicamp, I believe yesterday he ended up on the ground with two offensive tackles, um, which and then he ended up having to run a lap because he, you're not supposed to do that. Um, but he, he is going to bring the heat. And that entire defensive front, um, including the linebackers, could just eat this year. And Ogba may very well be the recipient of a lot of a lot more opportunities. He showed. He, I, th I, I think a lot of people were very pleasantly surprised with what they got at Ogba. And if I firmly believe, if they had seen what was developing in his last year at Kansas City they wouldn't have been as surprised. He's not, he's no joke. Is he an elite pass rusher? I don't think that he is, but he's definitely going to benefit from the scheme and from the addition of Jalen Phillips, who I do believe will line up opposite him. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it'll be beneficial for both sides. Hopefully something can work out. Yeah, and um, Agua's only 27, right? So, like, he he had a slower start to his career. Yes. Um, and and so I guess where I'm going with this, it's not unheard of to see people blossom later in their career. And um, a good example of that, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form um, saying that we're going in this direction. I'm just using it kind of as a benchmark of, you know, it happens. Uh, Cameron Wake didn't join the NFL until 26. Um, he was just a CFL guy. Granted, he was a, a, an elite CFL guy, but it, it's not, it's not, you know, unheard of for guys to need more time than others. Uh, I know Agba, you know, had some injuries even at Kansas City. Uh, and you never know, like you never know how someone, like I think, the, without going off on a tangent, I think people seem to forget like these athletes are human beings like just like you um just like me so you never know like how a player is going to react to the environment around them if Emmanuel Agba came into Miami and he you know got the relationship he you know needed and was looking for from his defensive line coach or his defensive coordinator or his head coach or you know the teammates around him kind of built him up you know just little things can truly motivate somebody and really push somebody to the next level. I mean, you see it every day in the business world and in real life. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's, it's, you know, out of the question to say, you know, maybe, maybe Emmanuel Agba is a guy who's like 
you know, eight to 12 sacks a year. And if that's the case, um, I'm more than happy uh, giving him a new contract uh, that pays him fairly. It's just, I will say it's, it's tough on the Miami, on the Dolphins side, on the business side of it. He has one year of proven production. You, you want to see that that continues to some degree. You want to see him stay healthy. Um, I have a feeling that he he's one of those guys that they're going to look to resign um, if everything, you know, is just is, is OK. Like he the production is still there to an extent. He doesn't tear his ACL and, and miss a season. And if, even if he does, actually, I mean, Landon Roberts tore his ACL. I think more more fans thought he wasn't coming back than was. Um, it might actually just help the price out for us a little bit. But I would like to see Emmanuel Agua return because I think he is going to benefit from the people around him in the system he plays in. Um, so I, I'm excited about that. Mo the, the monkey in the room, I guess, this week has been Xavier Howard. Uh, I mean, I guess there's been a couple. But let's touch base a little bit on Howard. I've seen some really shitty things said um, on social media that have bothered me. Um, I also think too many people are overanalyzing the situation. Uh, sometimes it helps to just take a step back and kind of look at, you know, the situation overall instead of trying to dissect someone's uh, uh, personal emotions and feelings when you, you have absolutely no relationship to that person to know what they're feeling it's better kind of to look at the overall big picture and all the pieces that are in that situation and how that might turn out. Uh, we heard Brian Flores absolutely praise Xavier Howard and say he wants him back. He said he loves him. Um, I did see Omar Kelly say that he's heard it before, but I don't think he's heard it from Brian Flores before. And I don't think Brian Flores is the type of guy who just, who cares about controlling the narrative. I think he's the type of guy who wears his heart on his chest um, or on his sleeve rather. And I don't think he's the type of guy who says things he doesn't mean. Um, I just get that. I, I don't think he's capable of it. Um, just the personality he seems, you know, to, to show the world. I just don't know if he has uh, the whole playing games thing in him. So uh, what are your opinions on what's going on with uh, Howard right now? Well, I, first and foremost, I want to touch on something that you, you just said that I 100% agree with. Uh, you don't see Flores uh, give as effusive praise and describe how he feels about a player like he did with Xavier and Howard very often. Uh, you just I was kind of taken aback. I was, I was too. Yeah. And I think there's some positive things that are going on with that. Um, and Flores also did say they are discussing it now. And he described it multiple times as a unique situation. Now, when he said discussing it, he meant that the Dolphins front office is discussing it internally. So Xavier Howard is seeking a renegotiation of his contract, and he hasn't showed up at uh, the mandatory mini camp yet. Now, what I am curious about is what the agent and the player mean by renegotiation because there has been all of this speculation and extrapolation of what this means 
And some people say, well, he he wants to be the highest played, paid player on the Dolphins. Really? Has he come out and said that? Has he come out and said, I want to be the highest paid cornerback on the Miami Dolphins? Because I haven't seen it. In reality, he hasn't come in out and said, said anything. He He's a quiet guy. He's he not is. looking for all of that, you know, talk and stuff. Yeah, and he have, and then there was once once people started assuming that, then it was oh he's selfish. Hey, he wants this, he wants that. He, he can't stand that Byron Jones is paid higher than he is. I haven't heard that. And then there's people will go beyond that. Um, and and it's, this isn't just random Twitter people. This is uh, articles being written in the Miami Herald that are working under the assumption that he wants to be the highest played cornerback on the Miami Dolphins or the highest paid cornerback in the league. And that, in my opinion, is absolutely garbage journalism because you don't know that. You can look it up and figure out who I'm talking about. I don't usually get this upset about that, but this is crap because you don't know what he wants. Once you know what he wants, if he does say, I want to be the highest paid player on the Miami Dolphins, or I want to be paid higher than Byron Jones, it's a different conversation. But you don't know that. And there are way too many people working on a supposition that they know, and they don't. Um, what, if I were he, um, I, by he, I mean Xavier Howard, I would have addressed it by this point in time, but I'm not him. So what I know for a fact, and you can look it up online, it's real easy, is that after this year, Xavier Howard has no guaranteed money on his contract. So if he comes into training camp this year and blows his knee out, they don't have to pay him. The Miami Dolphins do not have to pay him in 2022 or 2023. He has no guaranteed money. Now, he apparently does have some sort of an injury clause for 2022, which would pay him some salary. But I don't know if that would be included if he got himself hurt in 2021. I genuinely have no idea, so I'm not going to pretend to. But here's what we know. If the Miami Dolphins want to play ball with this, they have given every indication that they're willing to do so. I have not seen that they find him yet for skipping the mandatory minicamp. We have not heard one bit of malice between the two. The only thing that we know so far is that Xavier Howard does not have any guaranteed money after this year, and he does not show up at minicamp. Now, there is an argument that can be made, and I totally understand. I understand the line of thinking, Xavier Howard signed this contract, and he, was, he did it of his own free will, and he did. And if you'll notice, the agent that he had when he signed this contract no longer works for Xavier Howard. Um, so, I just, I think the, I think that this narrative that he's a greedy player and that he is me, 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 rather than a team first guy, I don't buy it yet. If something comes out that he wants to be the highest paid cornerback, 
in the backfield or wants the Jalen Ramsey money, you know what? That's a different conversation. Um, so I can understand what's going on. Even if you are of the line of thinking, you signed this contract, so you better well honor it. I want to see that from the other side too, that if you're going to have some sort of a conversation about this, let's talk about former Dolphins player, Jawan James, who did the right thing by an organization in a, in a very unique situation and blew his knee out. Or his, I apologize, it might have been his Achilles, I can't remember. He injured himself. His season was over and was working off of team facilities. And the Broncos released him for it. So if you want to talk about doing right and honoring a thing, honoring a contract and doing the right thing in a situation, let's not pretend that this isn't just a business from that point of view. Um, I can't hold any ill will toward Howard again because I don't know the situation. So I hope it will resolve itself if the solution can just be something as simple as the Miami Dolphins giving Xavier Howard some more guaranteed money in 2022-23. It might be that simple for all I know and for all anybody else knows too. So let's see how that goes moving forward. I know I got a little long-winded there. I had to get that out of my system. Um, but how do you feel about the Sour Howard situation? <clears throat> so I'm going to, I'm going to start where you kind of started and I do want to address the, um, the growing trend in Miami, uh, with, uh, those who are paid to cover the team intimately, um, whether that's at the Sun Sentinel or the Miami Herald or Palm Beach Post or the Athletic or whatever. Um, the first thing I want to touch on is I just think in general, people need to chill out like <laughs> with living and dying by what these human be beings that are probably paid under $100,000 a year are saying on the internet to try and get engagement because that engagement helps their career and helps move them forward and things like that. And I mean, I get, you know, the good fun and like, oh, let's troll Omar or let's, you know, Om uh, Armando is, you know, always saying like the most negative things that just pisses fans off, yada, yada. The other side of that, um, I truly believe that there are some journalists and I guess I'm not going to name anybody either. Although I, I'm sure we talk about where we're thinking of the same, the same person or people. Um, I think there's some fabrication going on to an extent to try and manipulate the narrative because I think for the first time in, I would say, modern dolphins era history journalists are being frozen out from from the front office to the extent they may be used to um i don't think the sources within inside the organization are plentiful like they may have used to be and on the other side of that you know agents could go to these reporters and tell them something because it would help manipulate the narrative in their favor 
or um, it was all kind of a part of playing the game. I don't even think that's happening because I think Chris Greer and Brian Flores are the type, the two type of people um, that that's not going to work with. Um, I think if, if an agent, um, you know, approaches a situation and does it, you know, in a manipulative way or a malicious way or starts playing games, um, I think that's like, and I think agents know this, I think that's probably the worst thing they can do to get their client what they want. I think Brian Flores and Chris Greer are very honorable people who are willing to have any conversation with any agent. Um, I don't think like, you know, back when Adam Gase was around, um, I, I mean, help me if you can think of it. There was a player who, and then this happens at other teams. They're like, you know, we really want to stay with the team, but, you know, we never heard a thing, um, you know, all throughout leading up to free agency. You know, I think that happened with Jarvis Landry to an extent. Um, yeah, that's what I, I just you don't think to. that, yeah, I just don't think this is that kind of group. Um, I think they will have the conversations. I even think that come the end of the season, I, I wouldn't put it past them to be as transparent with agents as they can without hurting their, you know, kind of hurting their own cause um, in terms of, you know, shedding light on, you know, their plans. But I think a lot of what we're seeing is because of that. I just think the journalists in Miami are more on the outside than they ever have been. I think COVID's a part of that too. You know, they didn't get the access they were used to last year, um, but they still have a job to do. In their newspapers or their editors, they're still demanding, um, you know, results and stuff like that. So I really, and you know, that, this is what bothers me. I feel like if people took the time to really think a situation through, and like I said, look at the big picture, um, really try and understand, you know, all the kind of little moving parts before being so reactive, which I get, you know, Twitter's a reactive place. But um, I just don't think these journalists have an awful lot to write about. And I don't want to speculate. And I also don't care. I really don't like all these other people seem to care recently uh, about the mass exodus of journalists from Miami. Um, I just, I, I really don't care who covers the team. Um, they don't dictate my fandom. Um, I'm sure there'll always be one or two I like and a couple I don't. So it's, it's really not that serious of a situation for me. Um, you know, the only thing they really bring you is a little bit more of an intimate view into the team, you know, during that off, season time of you know camps or like a little bit of extra you know post-game coverage or pre-game coverage like dude they're just <laughs> they're not they're just not that important to me in terms of my fandom and and you know the love I have for the Dolphins um and I know that was kind of long-winded but you know with it with Xavier Howard I think that's kind of what's going on um Per usual, with this regime, everyone's guessing. <laughs> um, that's that's just yep. that's that's what this regime does because they keep their mouth shut. I think the people in that building um, who might be, you know, insiders or sources and other situations keep their mouth shut because they know that that's what they have to do. And I think they've bought into the system that they're working in. Um, so I really think that's what's happening. Um, if I had to guess, what's going on with Xavier Howard? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely of the same frame of mind as you. Um, and you know, in these situations, it's almost like you have to pick a side. 
you have to pick the, the team and their needs and wants, or you have to pick the player and their needs and wants. And I'm going to say in this situation, and I know, I know it's well known that Xavier Howard's by far my favorite Miami Dolphin. Well, maybe not by far. I really like a lot of the guys, but he's certainly my favorite player on the team. Um, I'm a huge supporter of him. So I, I, I'm going to say I see every kind of angle on his side of this. Um, he has had some pretty, you know, rough injuries. And his last knee injury was a very, you know, a pretty severe one um, from what I've heard. Um, like it wasn't, you know, just the normal like, hey, you tore your ACL, you fix it, you're back. Um, I believe it was actually like a pretty severe knee injury. Um, he came back and he had a great season. And I mean, I, I loved watching him. But you, from a player's perspective, and he's right in that that age where, you know, every dollar, like this is his big contract, yes. um, especially for a cornerback. He's going to get another, he'll, he'll get another contract after this. Granted, he, he stays healthy, but it's not going to be what he has now. Um, it's just too hard to stay, like for a cornerback to stay that athletic for that long. That's just asking a, a lot. Like that's rarefied air. Um, so to, to know that you've had some real struggles with injuries in your past, and, and he may be fully confident um, in where his health is at, especially coming off, off of the best season of his career, one of the best seasons um, a cornerback has had in a very long time just in yep. the NFL, um, you want to protect yourself. 100% you want to protect yourself. Um, I would do the same thing at work um, in, a, in a similar situation that's not athletic, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, I, I completely get it. And I don't think it's about this, this, you know, ego thing of I want to be the highest paid. Uh, I don't know him personally. And it's even harder to know a guy like Xavier Howard because he, he is so quiet. He stays, he keeps his thoughts and opinions off social media. If he posts something on Instagram, usually it's just a video of him working out or, you know, retweet, read posting like his highlights whatever um so it's really hard to know truly what he wants but like you said because of the lack of drama in the situation and because of the fact that it seems like they may actually be at the table trying to work to find a resolution that tells me that Xavier Howard just wants protection um and I don't, I, I just don't, I don't blame him. And I do think that the Dolphins want to give it to him. And I think it's just about finding that, that middle area that works for both of them. Um, it's a little bit of a cash strap year this year before, before next year. Um, and, and, and people make it seem like contracts are easy. Like um, you throw out a number, the other person says, yes, you signed the dotted line. Like, there's a lot of language in contracts. There's a lot of things that get worked out. And there's a lot of ways you can manipulate a contract um, to affect the salary cap. So I, I truly would like to believe um, that he's looking for some more guaranteed money for this year and probably next. And I think the Miami Dolphins would like to give him that protection um, for their, you know, this year and next with the understanding that after, you know, the next two years, it might be time to pass the torch. And I think if they can find that middle ground of getting through a year or two where he feels good and he's still 
you know, at the top, I don't think he's, he's not going to lose money in this situation. Um, I think that's going to, I think if that's what is going to happen, in my opinion, I don't see Xavier Howard being traded. I think if he was, it would have already happened. Um, there's no reason that that would happen now. That That's clearly not the Dolphins' intention. If that was a t- their intention, he would have been gone and they would have gotten paid for him. Um, yeah. Coming off of that season, they would have got exactly what they wanted to some extent. Laramie Tunzel deal, no. Like, that's not a real thing. There was one person that made that bad of a trade. That's not, that's not a, a theme in the NFL, those kind of trades. But they would have traded him already and they would have gotten a very competitive deal. Um, in return. So I just don't think that's the issue. I think they're going to find some middle ground before training camp. Um, I don't expect him to, and that's the other thing too, if you look at the big picture, the fact that they haven't find him or it hasn't came out that they find him right. tells me that they're understanding, like that both sides are showing that good faith and both sides care about their relationship. So I'm going with that. And I, I would have to say 99% that that to an extent, is really the truth in all of this. Yeah, I think, as as always, they say the truth is somewhere in the middle. Hopefully, they'll come to an agreement on that. He actually is, I think, I'm, I'm 99% sure 2021 is fully guaranteed. So he's going to make money this year no matter what. I think he's just looking toward it. I thought Hussam said he has almost nothing guaranteed this year. That's, and that's they after, could cut him this year. No, not this year. Have, it's, it's 2000 starting in 2022. It is. They can. They can. They can. They can ditch him less next. But it's. It's. It's so drastic the way the contract drops off, which is. I mean, I totally understand. If you look at this contract, you kind of understand that his agent. If you, looking back at the time, you look back at it and go, "What? What? What the heck went into this negotiation?" I understand he was hurt, um, but this. This the contract was signed before 2019 started, so. It's not like his injury last in 2019 really played into it. It's just it was an odd contract that it's not it's not just that there's no guaranteed money next year. It's that the cap hit for Miami is like 1.4 million. No, it was like 2.8 million next year. So yeah, this year this year he's taken care of. I think he's just moving forward and getting back to what you said. I'm going to transition. Hold on, real sure. Hold on, just just real quick. One thing I want to note off of what you said. Um, and in terms of like good faith, we got to remember that Xavier Howard got the enormous contract that he got in good faith from the yes. team yes. because he was not the best cornerback in the NFL when he got no. that, nor no, was he even not. a top five cornerback in the NFL when he got that. That was a good faith um, contract to begin with. So I just I have a hard time believing there's animosity between um, anybody in the Dolphins organization and Xavier Howard. Yeah. But yeah, please go on. Yep. I was just. Going back to what you said and the, the, the rant I went on earlier about journalism, there is – the, the ground, as they say, is shifting under our feet with coverage of sports teams, not just the Dolphins, but in general. And I understand that there is a need for your big names in any media market to get clicks – and get views and sell papers and sell articles. I totally get it. I do. And I would not want to be part of the old school guard as the ground is shifting because there are bloggers that make a ton more than journalists. 
it, it is an unfair game right now. It will eventually balance out. So I understand the need for um, your big names to come up with leading headlines and to come up with hypotheticals and to work uh, with logical leaps that they're making by deducing what they think is going on. And then they have to say, all right, well, if this is going on, what does this mean for the team? But there's a difference. There is a difference between doing that and leading your readers in a completely fictional direction that you don't know if it's true or not. Um, to the point where you can, to the point where you're saying something like, well, it's understandable that Xavier Howard wants to be the highest paid cornerback in the NFL because he was up for defensive player of the year last year. When you don't even know that the supposition you're working from is true. And that's my big thing. Now, that being said, I want to shift real quick to the most important player on the Miami Dolphins, um, who is Tua Tungavailoa. And the reaction that everybody in the world had on the first day of mandatory minicamp, where he threw five interceptions in practice, in apparently what was you know a, a monsoon of biblical proportions, and the issue that I have with it very quickly, and I'm not going to retread on what I just went into. I understand there's a need to create narratives and get clicks and all of that. But what I want to point out to everybody who has had any sort of an issue with it is last year, one of the big phrases about Tua was, well, you got to have to learn how to play in the NFL when not everybody is Alabama open. So what do they do the first day of mandatory minicamp? They have him go out there and be aggressive and try to throw passes downfield into tight windows, into tight coverage. And shockingly, in a monsoon, he threw interceptions and everybody lost their mind. So nobody's either happy with the Tua who doesn't throw aggressively. And then when he does throw aggressively, he gets picked off in training camp. Everybody loses their mind. And my thinking on this is, you know what? You simply can't have it both ways. You're either going to be critiquing him for not being aggressive or critique him for being aggressive. Do one or the other. Now, fortunately, he came out today and completely lit it up and turned around and threw six, six touchdowns in practice and no picks. So it's, you're going to have a mixed bag when Tua is still developing, still, still, you know, he's still learning the new playbook, which I believe, thankfully, is a little bit more aggressive than Chan Gailey's playbook. But to a man, um, I want to I just really wanted to suggest that talking heads get paid to say things that are going to stir people up. But if you're going to do it, at least be fair to an extent and present the other side of it. Like, for example, don't sit there and say, ah, see, I was right about Tua because he threw five picks in a monsoon. At least be somewhat objective about it and say, well, he was being told to be more aggressive by his head coach, the guy who runs the team. Um, 
that's about all I have to say about Tua's performance until it really starts to count. You can even get, you can even go into preseason. I don't really care if he throws five picks in one practice and then turns around and throws 12 touchdowns in the next practice. It doesn't count. I just don't deal well with hypocrisy. So, Tua. Tua, Tua, Tua. I, I have so many things and so little things I could say <laughs> about his situation. Um, I'm just, I'm, it's just like, I'm so over the, the Tua, like deep, deep, deep analysis. Like, you know, I wish people would like analyze everything else this deeply, but maybe wait till they finish their deep analysis before they speak. Um, here's my thing. I don't give a fuck what happened in OTAs. <laughs> like, See, you, you basically he, just said what I was saying in far fewer words. So well done with that. I, I mean, he's, he's got new toys. He's got mm. two new OCs that are bringing some different version of, of a playbook um, because clearly the last one didn't work unless your name was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, he just who I don't know like he was playing in a torrential downpour I will say once I heard that a couple of interceptions came on overly conservative throws um I got a little bit you know like uh come on dude just like it's OTAs just fucking throw the ball down the field like this is where you go for the big shots like you know make the big play with Will Fuller um that gets everyone hyped in practice or, you know, uh, you know, you know, when these guys were kids, when they were like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old playing football and they just loved the game. Like, you know, they would just go out in the backyard and throw the football and play until, you know, they couldn't play anymore and they all come home and they're dirty for dinner and all that stuff. Like this is the time to play that kind of football. I mean, yeah, it's important. And it, it's a period of learning and making mistakes and correcting mistakes and all that stuff but this is the time like in practice to go you know f around and throw the ball down the field um do some crazy things and see what works and see what doesn't and then you know the coaches have a baseline for the next month month and a half because they don't get time off um it's gonna get get real quiet here very soon but they don't take the time off that's the time that they're gonna they're gonna kind of pick apart what might have worked what might have not not that they had a ton of time but that's where they're going to kind of refine things before everybody, you know, meets back up at training camp um, end of July. That being said, I've never seen so much national media coverage about every little thing about Tua. And I've never seen for like lifelong career respected NFL vets talk so many ignorant things out of their ass just because they're TV analysts for big programs now. Like, did you just completely lose, like, everything, all of your knowledge about football? Like, uh, I don't know who it was today. Uh, uh, the the former tight end, Schlereth, maybe, no, there was somebody I saw, like, I didn't even watch it, but I saw, like, a clip with the headline on ESPN that if I wanted to watch it, I could, where someone's like, 
you know, should you be really, truly, deeply concerned about Tua, blah, 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 blah. I just like, why don't people just tune that stuff out? Like, you know, the team tunes it out. I think Tua probably does a good job of tuning it out. Like, again, it goes back to the fact of looking at the big picture. We drafted a guy who came off a, a for, you know, 75% of other people who got that injury might have ended their career. He came off of that, got himself in some kind of miraculous shape to where he could even participate in training camp um, after being drafted. Um, miraculously was even able to work out on film prior to the draft. Um, never lied about his rehab progress before the draft. You know, everything that his doctor and his people said happened to be true. Um, he didn't get a ton of training camp. It was, it was really more about rehabbing and getting himself right. He didn't start the season as the quarterback. Um, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick's team until the day that Ryan Fitzpatrick's contract expired. Whether Tua started nine games or not, that was Ryan Fitzpatrick's team um, yeah. through and through. That's, that was the player's leader. That was his team. Um, Tua came in. Um, he, he I, I, I'm really, truly sure, did his best. Um, he kind of admitted that, you know, he didn't believe in the plays that, that, that Chan called. And there was some that he, you know, like, he may not have understood fully, you know, everything. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes was like a legitimate certified idiot his first year in the league. Like, he has come out and said that if he hadn't had that year to sit, he may not be where he is now. He had a ton – he didn't even know how to read an NFL defense his rookie year. And now we're just we're just throwing two out of the wolves in the national media, on Twitter, and our own fan base, all over, like, shit that can easily be explained. And, it, and, and I'm not an excuse guy, but it's not even, like, an excuse. It's just, like, the reality of the situation. Yeah. Like, this dude has had no time to be an NFL quarterback at like the best level that he can be at a hundred percent health. Like he, he spent his entire off season grinding, um, working out, putting on muscle, working with his receivers. Like he just played in like a hurricane yesterday. And am I happy through five interceptions? No, I'd almost rather talk about the fact that Jacoby Brissett's looked like shit and what's going to happen if Tua gets hurt because all I keep seeing is Brissett throwing interceptions. Um, but, yeah, it's just like I just don't see anything to see there. I, I, I If he if he comes into the season and he has a game where he's throwing five picks and looks lost, we have a problem. Um, yeah. we, we truly have a problem, whether it's year two or not. Um, that's kind of where my excuse bus ends. Um, if we're in week three or week four and he has a five pick game and it's not like one of those games, like Matt Ryan has thrown a five pick game in the prime of his career. Like it happens. Right. Um, but if it's, it's like, he looks lost. The team hasn't caught any rhythm. Um, yeah, we have a problem and it's something that's going to get discussed. Um, obviously, but right now I just don't have an issue. And you know what? Yeah. Today, before it started raining, he was on fire. He made Jakeem Grant look like a wide receiver from what I, from what I saw and heard. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Jakeem Grant, I think, had a couple downfield, uh, one big one for a touchdown. Yep. He still let the ball get into his body. I looked at it. But, I mean, I, I, I wish the best for Jakeem Grant. I really do. Um, here's the thing, and this is – it's become cool to hate on Tua. It has. And here's the thing 
that I keep coming back to it every single time I look at it, I look at it from this point of view. There are those who are going to analyze what he does and they'll say, and I've done this, I've done this quote before, and they'll say, I know what's going on with Tua. I have seen all I need to see from Tua, even last year when he clearly wasn't 100%. And they'll say, I know, I know, I know. And let me tell you out there, Twitterverse or whomever is just working from their own personal observations and does not know Tua and has not worked with Tua. You'll say, I know, I know, I know, and you don't. You don't know any better than Sean or I what this guy is going to do this year. Do I hope he balls out? Of course I do. And I agree with you 100%. There is going to be a point in time, and it's going to happen this year, where we're going to get a pretty good idea of whether two is the guy or not. Now, I think we'll certainly know by the end of this year, with about about 80% certainty, whether or not he's the franchise quarterback the Dolphins are looking for. We'll definitely know by the end of the 22 season. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And the Dolphins will be in a position to move on with a team that is well-constructed not just a quarterback, but the lines that are well-constructed with good weapons. And the counterpoint to those who want to say that they know what Tua is and have not worked with him or know him personally is that pretty much anybody that you have ever heard that has worked with Tua, coached Tua, had anything to do with him personally, has nothing but effusive praise to reap upon this guy about not only his work ethic, but also his um, his attributes as a quarterback, the ability he has, his anticipation, his accuracy, and his leadership. Everybody, including the recently departed from the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who said when he saw Tua last year, before Tua came back all the way from his injury, that he was making throws that Fitzpatrick himself could not make. So I understand, again, the need for some to make stories and manufacture things. It's part of your job. I get it. But if you're going to sit there and say that I just don't have faith in Tua's arm, I don't have faith in his accuracy, I don't have faith in Tua, I want you all to remember one thing very clearly. We have receipts. And believe you me, if this starts coming around like we all hope it does by the middle of 2021 season, we're going to be bringing them out. And you're going to hear all about them. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, Colin Coward try and uh, backtrack on all, all his bullshit. But uh, and there was a whole segment called well, Ka- "What Where Colin Was Wrong." If Colin Coward wasn't wasn't wrong an awful lot, he wouldn't need the segment. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to pretend I know um, how two is going to turn out uh, this year or in his career. Um, I just know that there seems to be a lot of people that believe in him that are a lot closer to him and to the game of football um, than most of the people that are actually, you know, talking about him on a daily basis. So I I'm kind of of the mentality that I'm going to go with that for now. And I will say, you know, a lot of the, 
the Tua naysayers love to bring up University of Alabama. Um, and I think it's just an absolutely lazy, lazy excuse to say, well, no quarterback from the University of Alabama has ever done it. Like, that's not, that's not like a – that doesn't support anything. It's a fact, I guess. But it doesn't, it doesn't support – like – It's no I, more I mean, relevant than me saying that Joe Namath was from Alabama and he won a Super no, Bowl. No, it just – That means nothing. It just doesn't mean anything. I mean, yeah. did, did he have a ton of weapons? Was he on the most well-built program, um, you know, in dynasty uh, in the history of college football? Yeah. But, but the, using the statement, he was a quarterback at Alabama, name one quarterback from Alabama that's gone on to be super successful, isn't a supporting argument. Like, it's not even an argument. It's just like, yeah, it's true, but it doesn't really mean anything in reality. Like, like anybody can come out of anywhere and be great. And I'm sure Nick Saban, if he had the chance to, if he knew Patrick Mahomes would be Patrick Mahomes and he could assign, like, sign the kid. Um, of course. And I know he wasn't like a great, you, you, you know where I'm going with that. Like if he could yes. have had like the current, the next Dan Marino, or like, I'm sure he would have tried hard to go get him. So I don't think it's like any, it's just, it's, it's stupid. It pisses me. Everything people say about Tua pisses me off because it seems like no one uses any actual facts to support right. their claims. Right. Um, yeah, like he he had games where he just looked terrible last year, but he was a rookie playing in a really weird situation in the weirdest year of professional sports, period. Yes. Uh, I just – it is what it is. Um, I do want to backtrack on one thing that I kind of said, like, oh, it's OTAs, who really gives a shit, whatever. Um, there is something I actually – uh, there are a few things I do look look at in OTAs um, that I do think mean something. Um, and those are guys that are, you know, new, like the, any free agents. I like to see, you know, how they kind of um, ingratiate themselves within the, the program. I look for, um, you know, people's mentalities. Are they excited to come back and play football? And there's been a ton of Dolphins who seemed genuinely like just full of excitement. I watched Will Fuller's um, press conference the other day, and he just seemed like the coolest, nicest guy who was yep. just really happy to be here. And he's only playing on a one-year deal. Um, after that, I like to look at the rookies and see how the kind of impression rookies are making when they're finally being surrounded with NFL veterans and, and players. And then I look for, you know, just the, the young guys in general. Um, who like what's their development? Are are they are they turning heads? Are they making plays that you know are catching people by surprise? And this year there's 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 been a couple um, in those exact situations. One being Trill Williams, um, the cornerback from Syracuse that was picked up after New Orleans let him go. Um, who I thought would be drafted, you know, third fourth round. Um, and I was ecstatic when when they signed him. He seems to be turning you know, quite a few heads. He's made some like legitimate plays on the football. And then um, of course, somebody who, if you track the dolphins in the off season already seemed like he was having himself an off season. And it seems to be showing up already in OTAs is Noah Igbenogany. Um, So those are the kind of little things that I look to um, in OTAs that, that, that are kind of important that do kind of make an actual statement that you can feel some type of way about. Um, the quarterback position is just tough. I like to separate the quarterback position from anything else because it's just, it's its own world that requires just, it's 
own type of everything. It, it's it's so complex and so in depth. Um, so it's it's hard to overanalyze it. If he has a bad camp in general, a bad training camp, that's different. Um, if yeah. he came out today and threw another five interceptions, I'm starting to get scared. But with these other guys, um, like Noah, who we drafted at 20 years old, got thrown to the wolves very early in the season, had a narrative about him the entire year, um, goes out this offseason, works his ass off. I believe he was even training with Sabine Howard yep. for a while, um, comes in super fit, um, and is making legitimate plays on you know, Miami's best receivers like Devontae Parker or um, Mike Isik, any of those guys. I, I, I just – I've seen his name a lot, and I've seen uh, Trill Williams' name a lot. Um, I, I think, you know, it's those type of guys where you can really take something from. Um, I haven't seen a lot of negative, um, which I guess has been nice. I haven't heard about anyone who just isn't, you know, making that a step. Like, I mean, there's a ton of guys on the roster right now, and I think – you know, with some of them, they're just – they're like the end of the roster guys, and I don't think you expect them to make an impact. So it's not really a negative. But when they do, like it's something to talk about. But I don't think that there's anyone so far that, you know, you expect a certain amount of something from and they're not meeting it. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on just OTAs in general? Yeah, I mean, and I know we don't have all the time left here, but I wanted to point out um, I have all the Noah Igbenogany receipts too. So those of you who last year um, were saying how overdrafted he was and how overdrafted Austin Jackson was and how overdrafted, how blah. Again, you don't know what you're talking about. You just don't. Um, Noah Igbenogany, it's, it's specifically with um, the, the offseason last year was non-existent. Noah Igbenogany was very, still very raw and new at the cornerback position. And he got thrown to the wolves more than anybody else when Byron Jones went down, I believe, in the Seattle game. And then he got, or I believe in the Buffalo game, he went down and he got torched for two games. Literally, the second and third games of the season with no offseason. He like limited limited training camp, barely knew his teammates probably at that point in time. And if you're going to judge a kid based on that, then you deserve the receipts to be pulled on you. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what goes on because, like you said, we're going to be coming up on a very on a dead period here very shortly um, before the the preseason before training camp starts and and before the, the preseason gets into underway. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of what's going to go on here. Um, hopefully next week we'll have a little bit more to talk about. I know we'll have um, probably some other sort of news. I'm sure we'll we'll still be talking about Xavier and Howard one way or another next week. Um, but uh, I do have – I had actually had a piece come out on Larnell Coleman this week. I'll have one more on the seventh-round tackle they took at a UMass. Uh, what else you got going on? Oh, you know, uh, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just, it's a busy time in my actual life. Yep. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to kind of, you know, take the next week and kind of soak in everything that's happened so far in this offseason and start working on, um, you know, my thoughts for what to expect coming up this 
this summer with training camp and preseason and all that stuff. The one last thing I do want to say about OTAs, there's one other kind of outside the box thing I look at. Um, and by no, by no means is it law. By no means does this, you know, you know, mean something extraordinary. But the other thing I look at is I want to, I, I really focus in on who the Dolphins um, social media team spotlights on a very consistent basis because it gives me a little bit of some kind of clue um, in terms of, you know, who are the guys that are really a part of this franchise that you just know aren't going anywhere. Um, and I, I don't think it's a perfect system to go by by any means. Um, but there is certainly guys where every single day that there's, you know, Dolphins camp or something Dolphins going on, the same players show up in the social media feed um, with, you know, walking out of the tunnel and getting their voice, like the little clips of them talking. Um, Jerome Baker's obviously been that, uh, been that guy. And um, it, it continues to be uh, Eric Rowe is another one. Brandon Jones has really stepped into the, that. Um, so I, I kind of like to look at that just for maybe a little outside the box idea of, you know, who is this team, you know, kind of spotlighting a little bit. And I will say, like, they're even kind of look at, like, Jakeem Grant is still kind of getting in the spotlight a little bit. Um, I don't know that he's as good as gone. Um, I don't know if – I mean, I think after the season finished, that's kind of how I felt. But, you know, he had an, an entire offseason where he was one of those receivers that worked with Tua all offseason long. Um and you know what? Maybe that did make a difference, and maybe that does finally show up for that that little guy uh, in training camp. And you know, maybe he does. The other guy that's really showing up a lot is uh, Albert Wilson, and I know how big you are on Albert Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but do you? Would you put any stock into that, like at all? It it is. There's a there's a difference between players that are no longer on this team that are simply no longer talked about um, because I I believe that like you said earlier there are a lot of players on this team that are simply bought in to Brian Flores um, one that last year was a media darling for a little bit Kyle Van Noy I do not believe bought into Brian Flores and he's no longer with the team um, but there are a lot of players, and I don't know. I don't know if Jakeem Grant makes the team. Um, I know I've been very frustrated, as everybody else in the world has been, with Jakeem Grant a couple times because of drops. But he does all the right things. He he all and like he literally he does all the right things by the team. He says all the right things. It is almost impossible. He works hard. He does. There's not even a question. It is almost impossible to root against Jakeem Grant. I think he's awesome. Do I know that he makes a team? No, I don't. Um, but once you've gotten to a point where you can say about a team, I really, 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 really like this guy, but we've got enough depth at this position where I don't know that he makes a team, the team itself is headed in the right direction. I think that is the current state of the Miami Dolphins. I do believe Albert Wilson makes it because I simply believe – he is a more skilled player. I think he's more athletic than Jakeem Grant is. 
And I think he's a better football player than Jakeem Grant is. Do I think he's faster? I don't know if that's the case. Do I think he's more likable? I don't think that at all. But I think we, the Dolphins are headed in the right direction simply because a player who does and says all the right things and is a team first player and does everything you want in a teammate simply is no longer good enough to make the team. I think that's about where the Dolphins are right now. I think that's a good thing, as unfortunate as it may be for a couple of players we really like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this was a really good show. I think, um, you know, there's plenty that we talked about and plenty more that we could have. Um, we'll save that some of that stuff for the dead period coming up. Um, you know, just outside of our show, there is a lot of things going on with the Finn Maniacs. Yes. Um, we are growing, you know, pretty rapidly. We have, you know, new members that have come to our team. Um, mm -hmm. Our, you know, our original members are really expanding their reach. Um, so there's a lot to look forward to um, from the entire group at the Finn Maniacs coming up. Um, and you'll we start a, seeing a lot of that. We have a TikTok guy now. I barely do, made, sure do. And I've made one TikTok good. video in my life, and he's very good. That, that, that kid has, like, legitimate yes, skill. Does. I'm going to see if, yes, I, if we can get him on here. Um, but, yeah, we have a lot coming your way um, in between now and uh, the start of training camp. Uh, we got, you know, Jason Sarney is heading out of town this weekend to go participate in Jay Fiedler's summer camp. Yes. Um, so, you know, a lot of connections there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of excitement uh, coming your way from us. Um, as we get ready to enter uh, the full swing of things with the 2021 Miami Dolphins. Yes, sir. All right. And with that, uh, good night. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we will see you this time next week. We'll be here. Fins up, baby.